The following is a presentation of the WRBB Sports Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of Husky Hoops. This is a new podcast from WRBB Sports. It's going to be looking at Northeastern men's and women's basketball and also around the Colonial Athletic Association or the CAA, which is the conference Northeastern plays in. Um, there's a lot of great storylines, a lot of great basketball being played in the CAA, and this is going to be a good chance for us to break that down, kind of give you an inside look at what's going on with Northeastern, what's going on around the conference. Um, we'll introduce ourselves. So my name is Mike Puzangera. And I'm joined by my co-hosts, Peyton Doyle and Justin Diamond. You guys want to say hello? Hello. How's hello. everyone doing out there? <laughs> so when we do this podcast, we're going to be looking at the conference as a whole, as well as Northeastern-specific storylines. Um, and we'll also be giving out our own versions of Conference Player of the Week, Rookie of the Week, games to watch for the upcoming week. Um really just giving you a good look at what's been going on, who are some standout performers, and then we'll really dive into some Northeastern specific angles. Uh, so for today, we're recording this on February 6th, this Sunday. So we're giving out our awards based on this past week of games. And we're going to start off with the men's CAA awards. So there's a consensus pick for us for player of the week. Um, we all decided on, Aaron Estrada from Hofstra. Hofstra went one and one this week, had a really great overtime win over JMU, and Estrada was really on fire this weekend. Yeah, yeah I mean, he's one of the only players in the conference to really put together two really, really great games. Um, in the win over JMU, 35 points, six rebounds, efficient shooting line, 13 of 21. Um, and then in their other other game, lost to Towson, but he still put it together a really solid game himself. 22 points, seven assists, three steals, eight of 13 shooting line. We saw a lot of players maybe even put up um, one really, really good game, but nobody quite had a pair of great ones like Estrada did. So I think he was a pretty easy consensus pick. Yeah, he showed what he can do in both games. You know, really efficient, even in that loss, had seven assists there and then, it wasn't as efficient, but still incredible in overtime against James Madison, which was a huge game for Hofstra. Even though Jamie won't be in the tournament, it really helped their standings out. Yeah, just 35 points as a number is insane. I know we had some people get close to that, but like Mike Justin said, getting you know over 20 in both games was just not something we saw this weekend from anyone else. No, we really didn't. It was like there was only one team that won both their games this weekend, which was Charleston, but... Charleston, you know, there were different guys who stepped up in each game. You know, Brendan Tucker had a great game in the first one. Nick Farrar had a great game in the second one. Um, you know, they they changed things around. Even Rain Smith, who's been a really standout freshman for them, uh, was 0 of 11 from the field in their win over Elon, um, which is really uncharacteristic for him. Um, we'll, we'll talk about freshman uh, and rookie of the week in a second, but we're also giving out a kind of runner-up for player of the week, um, acknowledging another top performer rather than just one for the week. And this was one that we all differed on. So I'll, I'll go first. My pick was uh, Chris Doherty from Northeastern. Um, 
Northeastern got their first CA win over the year and beating Towson is not an easy task. Um, that's kind of a big scalp to get for your first conference win of the year, even though it took Northeastern quite a bit of time to get that win. Um, but Chris Doherty was really impressive over the weekend. So in the loss to JMU, which Northeastern kind of played like 35 good minutes and then fell apart at the end. But Chris Doherty was really important. 17 points, 15 rebounds, three blocks. And then in the win, um, not a lot of scoring in the win over Towson, but he had another double-double, 14 points, 10 rebounds, two blocks as well. Um, he's been really key for Northeastern. I just figured, you know, I didn't really see another guy who stood out in both games like that. And for me, it was Northeastern hasn't really had the – the CA hasn't really had the chance to give Northeastern a weekly award this year on the oh, no, they side. Have not. So – like I figured they might just jump at this chance and be like, here you go, Chris Doherty. Like I could see him winning player of the week. Um, like the CA naming him that just because it's going to be tough for them to find a Northeastern guy. Uh, maybe for the rest of the year, unless the Huskies <laughs> turned around. Well, I would agree. The, the Darty definitely has a really solid case just because he had two really good games, you know, two double doubles. And uh, we saw him up close and he was just uh, clearly the best player on the floor for a large amount of time for Northeastern in both games, just uh, the one player that Jamie and Towson had a really tough time matching up with. Um, so, but there are of course, a couple other options around the conference who had one even stronger game than Darty in one game that was a little weaker than Darty's other game. And I think it's very fair to give it to Darty, but my choice was um, Darius Buford of Elon, notably because he put up 27 points, five rebounds, three assists and four steals. Um, in their win over UNCW. And of course, that being UNCW's first loss of conference play um, this year, Elon knocking off UNCW. And Burford was the biggest piece of that. His other game uh, against College of Charleston, a very close loss, only 14 points, four assists, three rebounds, and a steal, but still a solid line for him. And I was giving him credit not only for his incredible game against UNCW, but just a little bit to Elon for pulling off the NCAA's first victory over. UNC Wilmington of the season. Yeah, and to change things up a little bit, I actually chose someone who Burford beat in that UNCW game in like Okaru. I know, you know, Sean was the only one to have two really good games. I decided to pick the person who had an okay first game and then basically the best second game of anyone in that group, I guess, between him, Burford, and Doherty. Because he had 12 points, five rebounds, and two blocks, and they're in their first loss to Elon. But then you can say a weaker William Mary team. I will say he had 30 points, uh, three, bound, three rebounds, four assists. He was eight of 10 from three, which is a pretty impressive mark from anyone. So I think Mike, Mike Okaru would be my pick, but I mean, you can't really not give credit to what Doherty and Burford did for both their teams to get huge wins this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Bo both those guys were people who I looked at when I was trying to pick because um, Burford really stood out beating UNCW hasn't been easy for anyone. You know, the Seahawks are good this year and that was their first loss. So it, it's good that we acknowledge someone from Elon who stood out in that game. And then Ukara was just lights out against William and Mary. Um, so definitely some really solid performances around the conference, but it was a lot of like one super strong game and one slightly weaker game. Um, and so our player of the week pick, Aaron Estrada. Um, that was our consensus. We differed on the runner-up. 
Um, we're looking at the rookie of the week now, which we'll, we'll caveat it out there that it's not the best year for rookies um, in the CA, both men's and women's. Um, looking at the men's side first, it, it was a tough week to pick. Um, I went with Jair Davis of Delaware. Um, Delaware did lose their only game against Drexel, but Davis had 12 points, five rebounds, was five of eight shooting off the bench. Um, just a really solid performance. And I think it's probably enough for him to win. Again, not a lot of good freshman performances around the conference. Yeah, it's a pretty pretty weak year for for um, freshmen. We'll see in both uh, men's and women's. I think uh, I think uh, Jamil Telford might take on that award just about every uh, every week if he plays was a freshman this year like he was last year. But um, either way, I'm I'm going with with Davis as well. He just had the most you know all around solid uh, performance. Can't really knock that shooting line or the all around contribution of twelve points and five rebounds. Um, again, obviously not a dominant player this week, but. Um, with the limited pool we got, I think Davis is the best contributor. Yeah, I think with the freshman, we have a lot of issues with everyone taking their COVID year. And so you see all these fifth-year guys staying and just like the redshirt freshman players on certain teams that might be in Virginia. And so that kind of creates some issues for playing time for a lot of the the newcomers. And I think I'll go with a, a similar way to how I picked my runner-up. I'll go with a player who had a really good one game and then not so good second game. I think I will go with Tyler Rice of William Mary, who had 13 points, uh, two rebounds and four assists in their loss to UNCW. Rain Smith should be acknowledged, though. He's probably going to be the rookie of the year. He's a really good three-point shooter and definitely the most consistent rookie. 14 points, three assists on three six shooting from deep. Uh, and the win over... or Sorry, I actually forgot to write down who they won against. But in their loss to Elon, he was uh, 0 of 11 from the field with his only points going from four free throws. So good Ray Smith, one game. Uh, bad other game. Sorry, Ray Smith, just be try to be better in both games next time. It, it would have been so much easier if he had just like hit a few of those shots because one, it would have made that win a lot easier for Charleston. Um, but it also just would have made this pick a lot easier if he had put up like 10 points. We could have been like, yeah, you know what, Rain Smith, we'll give that to him. Um, well, like five points. He had not, uh, he had, he didn't have none. He needs like hit one field goal and then he gets it basically. Yeah, that's, that's really all that was needed. It's tough. Real um, tough. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll give you our picks for game of the week in the upcoming week. So there are some good matchups around the conference. Um, so I had two picked out um, on Thursday. Elon plays James Madison. Um, these are two teams that are pretty even in the standings right now. Um, if I pull those up real quick, um, I know they're kind of neck and neck there. Yeah, Elon right now is four and seven in the conference. James Madison is four and six. So it's a good matchup on paper. Um, JMU is really good out of conference. Um, so they're you know, record on the season is a lot more impressive than Elon's, but I, I think it'll be a really good game. Um, and Elon obviously is coming in with a little bit of momentum. They did lose to Charleston uh, on Saturday, but you beat UNCW, which is not easy to do. Um, I, I think they're, they're going to be building off that and it should be a really good game. 
Oh, and I also had uh, Hofstra Delaware picked out on, on Saturday, um, which is just like two of the best teams in the conference, especially if Dylan Painter's back for Delaware, then like that's going to be a fantastic game. Yeah, I took more of a uh, fun, weird, interesting games angle to my uh, best games of the week. Now, a pessimistic way to look at um, not just the CAA, but like a lot of conferences is that all that really matters is that in terms of regular season conference play is um, having to play the fewest amount of games come conference tournament time, try and snag that automatic bid. And now Drexel and Elon are currently sitting right around the place you don't want to be, where you might have to play in what is this year in the CAA, only one first round matchup. Two unfortunate teams, one of which will likely be Northeastern, um, are going to have to play one extra game compared to everyone else in the conference tournament. Um, and Drexel and Elon, Drexel playing at Elon on Saturday. This is a part of their fight to stay out of that round one. Um, whoever wins the game will be in a far better position in that regard. So it's an interesting game with some playoff implications. And my other choice is William & Mary at UNCW, which you could easily argue is the worst team in the conference, having to go play at the best team in the conference. Do you want to see a team win by 30? you want to see a team maybe win by 35? Well, that's your opportunity. might happen. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Um, those games are next. Oh, no. Have I looked weekend. too far in the future? Well, that's unfortunate. I guess you're just going to have to wait for that epic matchup. This is the issue with the scheduling on the website of the CAA. It, it can it's be so it's unclear sometimes. Um, for, for my games of the week, I actually chose two Hofstra games that Mike didn't. So I think we have all three Hofstra games covered. <laughs> oh, um, We're just Hofstra fans, apparently. My, my first is, uh, so Hofstra is currently sitting at tied, with, tied for third uh, with Delaware, I believe, uh, in the conference. And they take on UNCW uh, tomorrow. So that's the one in the three teams. And UNCW, you know, lost the first time this week. Maybe lose another another time. Hofstra moves up a little bit further in the standings. And then the, the next game is Hofstra taking on Drexel. Um, and Drexel can take on Hofstra. They both sit six and five. And, you know, they're, CAA, always a crazy conference. Things are starting to shake up a little bit more if Drexel can get that win. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's going to be an interesting week, definitely. Um, a lot of good games. Hofstra. You know, we're, we're going to be watching a lot of Hofstra games. Um, I mean, all the pride basketball I can, I can take. <laughs> but, I mean, Hofstra's really good this year, so that makes sense. Um, switching over now to the women's CAA. So, we're, we're all in consensus here with the player of the week. Um, yes, you know, we are. Jasmine Dickey's the best player in the conference. Um, you know, reigning CAA player of the year. She's going to win it again this year. But... So, like, the standard for her is a little bit higher, like, to win player of the week just because she's that good. Um, luckily for her, she had 52 points and 18 rebounds against it's Charleston. I'd say that hits the standard. And then, like, not only that, she also had 24 points, 15 rebounds against UNCW. So, like, even ignoring the, like, one of the best performances of the season – um, of any player in the NCAA yep. in that first game. She still had an excellent second game. Um, and it was a 2-0 and week for Delaware. So that makes it a very easy choice for Jasmine Dickey. She might be the 
one of the best players in the country as far as women's college basketball. She's mm-hmm. currently averaging, um, let me see here, 25.4 points and nine and a half rebounds per game. That is, that's pretty, pretty dominant. And she also shoots threes from time to time, which is very, very scary. Very scary for every other CAA team. Yeah, that just, that's scary indeed. Like, how are you supposed to stop that? I guess, I mean, we'll get a chance to see that. You know, Delaware is coming up here playing Northeastern um, at home, um, which I guess we should mention now that since this is WRBB Sports, we do cover Northeastern. Like, that is the student radio station of Northeastern. Um, so if you managed to find this and didn't know that, there you go. So that's why we're saying for that that's you, if you got here doing. and you didn't know. They like awesome. Great job. You uh, are deep in that diving into the podcast. Hole. Hole. <laughs> like that, this is way down there. <laughs> um, but yeah, Jasmine Dickey, way, way ahead of the rest of the pack. Um, did have a runner up picked out, um, Aaron Eady of Charleston. So Charleston beat Drexel uh, on Sunday, which is Drexel's first conference loss of the season. And Aaron Eady was dominant, 27 points, 12 rebounds. Um, and, you know, Charleston, they're still playing without Grace Abercrombie. So having her step up in that game was really big. And she also had a good game against Delaware, 19 points, eight rebounds. So, um, yeah, that seemed like it, it was a pretty easy selection for not only player of the week, but also as a runner up, Aaron Eady definitely stood out. Yeah, Charleston as a whole was looking really solid as a team until – Basically, the best six, the best player off the bench in Chris Abbott probably went down. So they have been just uneasy since then in conference. I'm, and Aaron Eady has really been one of the most consistent players. Um, as I Jenna Anacarico, and she definitely deserves to get the recognition, but it is is hard when she's playing in a game against Jasmine Dickey when she scores over 50 points. And for, as a team, they score more than 100. So... Shout out to Aaron Eady, but it just stinks that she got to score 19 points against Delaware. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. I mean, the, the that line 27 and 12 and 19 and 8 might have got her um, runner up on the men's side, but uh, or I should, I actually, I am, I've, I'm all over the place. She's she's getting runner up here as well, so I suppose that lines up. Um, I should have said uh, player of the week, but either way, very impressive line in both games. You're just competing against somebody who scored 52. That's tough. You could you could definitely justify if if someone had put up those same lines in men's CA this week, they would have been player of the week. They yeah, might have. I could definitely they see might that. Have. It would be a, it would be a really tough uh, competition with Estrada there. We'd be arguing about it. Yeah. So credit to Aaron Eady playing well. Big win for Charleston over Drexel, which could be really important for Charleston going down the stretch here. Um, then we get to our freshman of the week picks. So. This, this was a fun one. So, again, the same caveat, there are not a lot of good freshmen. Throughout the year, um, up until this point, only two people have won Rookie of the Week, which is Claudia Soriano from Northeastern and Grace Abercrombie from Charleston. Grace Abercrombie is also injured. So Soriano is the only person who is playing right now that has won the award before. That being said, Soriano had only five points this week in Northeastern's one game against Hofstra, and it was a tough loss against Hofstra. So 
she had a, a decent line outside of that, like a really good line. Uh, nine rebounds, seven assists, two blocks. Like that's great, but she didn't score. So that's why my pick, at least, is for uh, Selma Markasik from Hofstra. She put up 12 points. Hofstra stepped up, beat Northeastern. That's a big win for them. I think she gets the nod this week. Yeah, I think I'm in on Mark's sake as well. I mean, considering, like you said, Soriano's clearly won the award a bunch of times. Find room for somebody else. And um, considering only five points, just not going to cut it, especially when uh, your team really needed those points. It wasn't like a day where she, you know, just deferred to other players. Northeastern took a really rough loss against Hofstra. So I think um, Mark is sick. This is the, this is her week. I think the issue is that uh, the issue for Claudia Soriano is that Hofstra was such a poor team coming into this one that Mark was one of their better players in this one. And Soriano just happened to score the least amount of points she's scored in a CAA game this year against one of the worst teams in the conference. But she did have nine rebounds, some assists, and two blocks to go along with it. So it's it's the best all-around player in a vacuum was Claudia Soriano. But when you give the context that this was an upset win for Hofstra and then the highest scoring freshman was someone Marksick, it should be her. I because you two have already voted for Marksick, she will win. I'm going to I'm going to abstain from this vote and I abstain. I have I have I have Bronte. nothing. You gotta take a side I have no you gotta take a side. You, you gotta, gotta take, take a side. side. Gotta take a side. I know what side you're gonna go to. We we can we can both tell. Come to the dark side, Soriano. Like, yeah, Claudia Soriano is the freshman of the week in my mind. (laughs) (laughs) I like when players can do everything, even if they can't score. All right, you know what? Yeah, get you to the insane asylum. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I like. I feel like that's fine. There, we were sitting here thinking, like, as that game was winding down, we might not like have an actual person to pick for rookie of the week. Um, yeah, choice number three was nobody. <laughs> I mean, Soriano was sitting down at two points, and you know, and uh, I believe Marcus uh, tallied a lot of her points in the closing quarters. So, yeah, I mean, for a while, uh, uh, nobody was polling in first place. Which is just, it, it's ridiculous. Like, there just aren't freshmen that see enough playing time across the conference that, and they aren't, there aren't freshmen that have had a big enough impact in games, really, other than Soriano and Abercrombie. That is the issue with the CAA when no one leaves after like one year. There's everyone's going to stay, and like you get third, fourth, and fifth years making up entire teams. No one from William Nary's going one and done. Yeah, I don't actually think so. No, <laughs> the, like the only I hope wish for that the only hope for that is if someone is so good that they then transfer out of transfer. The CAA. Oh, but <laughs> yeah, we don't want to see that. I don't know who that is. Um, <laughs> quote Colin Kapoor. Never I don't forget. Know who that is. Uh, <laughs> don't worry, don't worry, Tyson. We know who you are. I miss you. So, uh, last thing for the women's CA as a whole, did pick out a few games of the week. Um, first up was Delaware at Towson on Wednesday. Towson's coming in hot. Delaware is also coming in really hot. Um, Going to be interesting to see how. Jasmine Dickey plays in that one to follow up this incredible week. Um, and it's 
you know, the team that's tied for first in Delaware versus the team in third, Towson. So that's going to be a really great matchup. Um, but then another one I picked out, Elon at Charleston on Sunday. The way I've kind of seen the CAA this year, those two teams are pretty even and they're pretty middle of the pack um, in the conference. And so this is a good chance for either one of those teams to step up, get a big win and kind of prove that, Hey, you know, like we are a cut above the other one. Um, we'll, we'll see if Grace Abercrombie is back for Charleston. That would, you know, make a pretty big difference for them. Um, but even if she's not, it, it'll still be a really close game. The first game they played, it was a five point win for Elon at home. So this time in Charleston, maybe things go a little differently. We'll see. Yeah, I'm just really excited to see Delaware and Towson face each other. And then if if, Char- if Abercrombie is back, which I'm not sure if we know what her specific injury is or the timetable, mm-hmm. maybe this would be the start of like an upward trend for Charleston as we get closer to the tournament. And you know, they have an incredible offense, and maybe she's a difference maker on defense that they need to actually get some wins in the CAA. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll also give a nod to uh, William and Mary at UNCW on Sunday. Um, those two haven't been, they haven't had a great season, either of them. Um, you know, William and Mary had a pretty solid game today. They did lose to James Madison down the end, but, um, you know, they were winning by a good amount, had a really good first half. So those two teams, you know, they're battling to see if they can avoid having to play in that play-in game, um, the one play-in game um, for both men. Love the play-in so, game battles. The one single play-in game, the eight versus nine seed in the tournament. Um, don't want to be there. You just don't. Oh, oh, jam you. What? What would they have done if there were ten teams? Like, would they just have two opening? There's, there's two opening games. Yeah. Yeah. It's seven versus ten, yeah, it's, and then eight. We we, we call it a play-in game just because that's what it is this year. But ten, is. yeah, that's okay. round one. So man, aren't we expanding to like eleven or tw- twelve next year? To, it's expanding to twelve. Yeah. Um, Monmouth, Stony Brook, and Hampton are coming into the CA with JMU, to the leaving for the Sun Belt, otherwise known as the Fun Belt Conference. Yeah, that that's a di- that's a different so topic credit. for a different. Later, we'll, we'll probably get into that um, in the off season, but yeah, we also want to talk about some northeastern specific things. Um, so we're going to start on the men's side. Huskies got their first win, and you know they haven't gotten a lot of scoring out of the guys who we expected the scoring from, Shaq Walters and Jamil Telfort. But a guy who stepped up the past few games for Northeastern has been Nicola Jogo, and I mean he really showed out against JMU despite the loss. Yeah, I was yeah. actually tempted to nominate him for my runner to, for play of the week, but because I mean he was ten of thirteen shooting against JMU and just incredible the whole time from three, twenty four points, seven rebounds, three assists, two steals. You know, I mean I'm not gonna say no one else was trying, but he he seemed like the one who had the most like fire in him, just that whole game, just kind of getting on other teammates, just really wanting to. He knew it was close; they were winning at times, wanted to stay ahead. But yeah, incredible game against JMU and then against Towson in their first win. <laughs> yeah, they won a game. I know, crazy. Uh, 12 points, 
Uh, three rounds, two assists, and a steal. Not the best shooting, four of 11 overall. Didn't make four threes, though. Let's not talk about his two point shooting. But still, I mean, great, great end of the week for Jogo. He's been what Northeastern needs because, as you said, Walters and Telfer have not been ideal <laughs> over those two games. And yeah, that's, yeah, just, that's one way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll, that's how I will phrase it. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, to look at the positive side of that, I, I don't have any problem with Jogo taking over as um, kind of the lead scoring guy, just because I feel like he just has such um, a big advantage over a lot of teams in the CAA. We've seen, um, you know, teams have caught on to the fact that, look, he's the only guy on Northeastern shooting 40% from three. He, he's taken that three more and more often. We should, you know, we should cover that guy. But it doesn't matter as much when the guys on the perimeter for a lot of teams are, what, like 6'5 is the tallest. Many of them are 6'3", 6'2". Joe goes 6'8", and he's not covered by those guys. Um, and he's taken more and more advantage of that when they send bigger guys out to guard him. He didn't do it as much against Towson, but against JMU, he went to the rim over and over again and got himself that 10 to 13 shooting line. Um, I mean, Jogo has just kind of evolved into Northeastern's most dynamic offensive player. And um, I think that now in the, in the backstretch here, as they try and scratch out some more wins, he's going to continue to be the top offensive option. We definitely do need to see more than, more from from uh, from Telford and from Walters. It's not like Joe can be the carry in some respect. He's not a, a mega star, but I don't have a problem with him leading the team in scoring. No, yeah, I mean that. Like, it, it's definitely helpful to have. You know, he's a really good point forward. Um, good at kind of facilitating play, and his ability to go both inside and out on offense is really important because you know Shaq Walters can kind of do the same. Um, Telford struggled with his shooting a bit, um, but, you know, when he's on, he can do the same. Um, Coleman Stuka can also do the same. Big shout out over there um, to Coleman Stuka. He should play well. Yeah, shout out to Coleman. Look, he's become a solid role player. Coleman Stuka surpassed my expectations. Um, I'm I'm glad he's a real solid contributor at this point. And, I mean, look, if he can continue to evolve going forward, he's still a young player. There's Maybe there's more in Coleman Stuka's future. Yeah, the, the thing with Stuka last year was that his role was to be a three-point shooter, just like only. And the problem with that was he just wasn't hitting his shots. And so we kind of like turned our backs on him a bit, but now his role has changed and he's being allowed to cut to the basket more. He's playing impact minutes, um, playing a lot of minutes these past few games. Um, And yeah, I mean, because of that, because he's also driving in, I think that's contributing a lot to his improved performance from three because like teams have to worry about him driving and he's getting, you know, a little bit more space on the outside. Um, you know, his defenders don't want to fully commit to a closeout when he could blow by them. So he's getting that little bit of more space, but he's also not taking as many threes and not taking as many bad threes. You know, he's being more selective about his looks. So Coleman Stuka really really impressive past few games we'll see if he can keep it going yeah we are sorry for saying potentially not the kindest things about his performances in the past but he's he's really stepped up and you know he's just been <laughs> he's been great i i'm happily surprised with Coleman Stuka. you know if he keeps this up i might have to turn to the bible as well let's go coleman so for northeastern they're for Northeastern men, they're looking at, they're currently in the 10th place spot 
in the CA standings, which equates to the nine seed in the tournament, um, which would involve the play-in game. Um, it it seems really likely that they will have to play that play-in game, um, the eight versus nine game. Like maybe they pass one person, but when you start the conference slate O of ten, it's going to be hard to turn that around and pass anyone ahead of them. I mean, especially considering the you know the next team in front of them, I believe has four wins. That William and yeah. Mary. Hang- William and Mary and two Elon teams that are both wins. four yeah. and seven, and Northeastern's one and eleven. That's like you've tough. also you've also played one more game than they have. So like there's less time for you to close that gap. And if either of those teams can rattle off a few wins, then you got to keep in mind, like you have to pass two teams in order to avoid the play in game. Like, I just don't really see that happening. Yeah. And we saw, sorry, we saw Elon beat UNCW. So Mm -hmm. just last week and William Mary with Connor Cochera, they they're dangerous. You know, it's, it's sad to say that there's a there's different levels between the bottom of the three teams in the CA, but that's kind of what it feels like currently. And even though Northeastern won their last game, it seems like they're on a different just a different plane than those two, even though they're eight and seven or nine and eight in the standings. Yeah. I would argue Northeastern really can be on their level. But I mean the fact is the the losses are the losses. They've already happened there in the past. And yeah. Even if Northeastern is on their level, that level is what? In your last 10 games, you probably go four and six or three and seven, and that's not going to be enough to pass anybody, really. So even if they are on that level, yeah. I mean, we're looking at Northeastern having to play four games in the CAA tournament. Are they capable of, out of nowhere, pulling out four wins? Yeah, they are. Will they? Probably not, but we can hope. Yeah, I mean, especially considering if they do win that first game, bam, Second round matchup against UNCW. You know that's we yeah, the Joe Prison revenge game. He he comes he gets his eligibility back, drops like thirty, boom, set right there. That's just I mean like it's just it, I it's dream not, about that every night. They're not going to rattle off four wins in a row, but like there's a small chance of it happening. Um, and you can never you can never count Bill Cohen out like that. Never no. count out Cohen coach. Never team. count out. Coach Cohen, ever. Peyton flashes his uh, Coach Cohen swag. Uh, yep. The Bill Cohen uh, 251 wins t-shirt that they gave out earlier this year. That shirt, I am. Peyton has been wearing that shirt so much. Hey, I wash it. All right, <laughs> make that clear. I mean, I, I it's think just a thing- coincidence that you see it a lot, like. <laughs> The, the thing with the Northeastern men's team, and I noticed it this weekend, is that in both those games, they played 35 really good minutes. And then it was like those final five minutes in both games, they they threw it away against JMU. And then against Towson, they were luckily able to hold on because Towson was shooting so poorly from the field. I mean, one of 16 from deep. Like, you get lucky when... Nicholas Timberlake misses a potential game tying three. Like they just yeah, need to get that full 40. They still, they still just don't have, don't quite have that clutch gene at the end. You know, they turnovers, miss shots, inability to get the ball in bounds, weird possessions where you desperately need to take a three immediately. And for some reason you wait 20 seconds. 
it's just it, it's a it's the whole combination it's a lot of a lot of uh mental mistakes and they've really gone through the whole whole list of them and uh, maybe maybe they're done with that maybe they've gotten through them and every mistake in the book and the book's over and now we're now we're going to do them right i i hope it's over but i feel like most of the issues come especially with turnovers is when teams like switch up a look against them mm-hmm. later on and they they seem to be the best adjusting team, which is frustrating because it's easy to see it, I guess, from where we sit and from like our TV that like, oh, like, I don't know, just Madison just switch their press and like just make different passes. Like you are like D1 basketball players, you should know at this point to play a certain way against a certain look. And when they don't do that, it's very frustrating and that has happened in most most of the games this year. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see if Northeastern can turn things around, but they're not going to have an easy time doing it this weekend. Uh, Delaware and Drexel on the road. Um, Drexel beat Delaware, which Delaware playing without zone painter caveat there, but you know, both of those are really tough matchups, especially on the road. So might be a chance for Northeastern to, if they can pull off an upset, you know, we could see this team, make a bit of a run near the end of the season, but um, it it's probably going to be a tough weekend. We're going to switch gears over now to the Northeastern women's team. So they only had the one game this weekend, which was against Hofstra. It was just a, a tough one. Um, they've struggled with turnovers all year, but to turn the ball over 25 times, just it was not not a good look at all. Yeah, they've gotten by with having turnovers because they shoot pretty well as a team, but then I think they shot something like 15 or 50, something around there in this game. So when you combine their turnover-heavy offense with a very poor shooting night, you get a loss to the second-worst team in the conference. And it's not really been the best road trip. I mean, for them, they're one and two the last three games on the road. They got their first road win the season, but they really need to win, definitely win today to kind of separate themselves and try to get into that upper tier of teams like Delaware and Drexel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we, we have that, uh, that, that motto back on full court press, turnovers only count if you lose. And, well, when they did, we sure do got to look at that as the number one culprit. So mm-hmm. um, time to hold on to the ball more. Yeah, it's, it's a tough loss. For Northeastern, they go to six and four in the conference. So they're right now in fifth, but that does equate to the four seed in the tournament um, because James Madison is ahead of them. Um, so it, it's not terrible. That's about the spot they should expect to get. If they can get the four seed, that's one, a really successful season for Coach B in her first year. Um, but two, that's kind of where we see the CAA, you know, Delaware, Drexel, Towson are all kind of one step above where Northeastern is right now. Um, so if you get that four seed, you establish yourself as the best of the rest outside of those three, um, which I think is a, a solid spot for Northeastern and really what they've shown they can be so far this year. Yeah, they've played some really strong games. I mean, go back to that Charleston game where they – matched up against one of the best offenses in the conference and they can win in so many different ways and mm-hmm. this weekend is going to be definitely a showing of how 
they play against those top teams as going to be a very tough road, not a road, sorry, home stretch. Uh, I believe it's, is it Delaware on Friday? Delaware on Friday, Drexel on Sunday. Yeah, so <laughs> two of the best teams in the conference, back-to-back games, you know, two games in three days. Not exactly how I'd want to spend my weekend, but if they can pull away with one of those, like a win one of those games, that'd be huge for the outlook going forward. Yeah, you also just, they needed to get that secondary scoring going in this Hofstra game. Um, you know, Kendall Currents was pretty good in the first half, um, but then she went cold in the second. But she had 14 points, which is a good amount for her. That's kind of what you expect. Um, you know, she's had games where she scored way more than that, but that's like a good, you're expecting to get at least 14 points from her. Um, but the rest of those starters didn't really show up. You know, Soriano, we mentioned earlier, she only had five points. Katie May only had four points. Calabrese only had three. Motemo had zero. Um, and you needed at least one of them to show up and have a good game. Um, if you were going to get something from this Hofstra road trip. Um, and that just didn't happen. So we'll, we'll see how things go for Northeastern this weekend. We do get to see that they do have Donna Tambu back. Um, she played a few minutes today against Hofstra. Um, still working way back, still not 100% clearly, but a really good sign that she's playing. And when she's in the lineup, it's just, it's she's explosive for Northeastern. Yeah, she'll be key. She was amazing in non-conference. I mean, this team plays with a ton of speed already between Motema and Soriano and Kearns and essentially McCartney and everyone on this team. But I think Dante was probably the fastest mm-hmm. player on this team. And I mean, she also runs uh, track here at Northeast. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. I think she's also um, like in the Olympic trials for Team Canada. It's no ridiculous. big deal. Like, um, yeah. So incredible athlete. And she just brings just, just that extra bit of fire that the team already loves to play with and makes their defense so, so scary. So having her come back will be huge. Yeah, I think that like if they're going to somehow get something from this weekend with Delaware and Drexel, it's going to come down to, you know, can Donna Tambu play a lot of minutes and can she match up defensively and stay out there? Because, you know, you put her on Jasmine Dickey, that's probably the best matchup Northeastern has for her. Um, And if she can slow Dickey down, you know, not allow her to score 52 points, um, they've got a shot at beating Delaware, which would be a, a huge scalp to take um, in the CAA. Yeah, she's... The defense for Northeastern is interesting because their strength is their perimeter players and then their forwards kind of rotate over to help each other down low. And so, yeah, no one really matches up with Dickie perfectly, but like I said, Tambu, I think, was the best option if, yeah, ideally if she doesn't score 52, I we should have a shot, but... <laughs> I mean, if we do have a shot and she scores fifty-two, uh, that's that'll be a, that'll be a game to watch. And you should watch, listeners, all of these Northeastern games. It's a very fun team, and you also get to see Jasmine Dickey play, who is incredible. So definitely watch Delaware game and try and watch the Drexler game this weekend. Better yet, you can listen to the games on WRBB one hundred four point nine. Uh, we it's, will have 
we'll have a bridge of husky sports we are your home for husky sports that's what they call us i have heard some people say that listening to us is actually better than watching it's even a Mm -hmm. better description than what your eyes can give you i've heard that and yeah i think i think that's fair for listening and watching and comparing i i would fully agree so if you cannot listen watch but listen first i should have said that first we have coverage of all home games for northeastern basketball so (laughs) always always be tuning in um and yeah you know before we sign off any final thoughts from either of you guys about either the men's or the women's side of the CAA. It's going to be ex- exciting <laughs> to see how this goes down, you know, get like top three teams in each side for men's and women's and just so much talent within the CAA that I'm not sure everyone appreciates all the time. So just be excited to watch as I mean, the last, well, less than 10 games for every team now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and so you finally got a win. I think, I think they really needed that. I think they're better than one in 10 or one in 11. And I think maybe they have it in them. They get another sooner than later. So I'm excited to see maybe that happen. All right. So that's going to do it for us today. Thank you for listening to the Husky Hoops podcast. So our first episode, feel like it went pretty well. Um, I've been Mike Puzangara joined by Peyton Doyle and Justin Diamond as always. Um, you can find us on Twitter at uh, Husky Hoops Pod. Um, you can also find all of us individually on Twitter. Um, if you have any anything you want to tell us or any comments or criticisms of the episode or any questions for us, um, feel free to reach out to any of us and we'll definitely take that under advisement. Um, be sure to listen to WRBB Sports this weekend. Um, not only basketball coverage, but also Northeastern men's and women's hockey. Um, and the Northeastern baseball season's coming up. So we've got that for you as well. Uh, but we're going to sign off here. This is the first episode of Husky Hoops. Mike Puzangara, Peyton Doyle, Justin Diamond. Thank you all for listening. Have a good rest of your day. <laughs>